Hey everybody, it's Bevan with the pre-roll. Um, I love that I've now just like called this out that I'm just gonna pre-roll every episode. Um, most episodes, maybe sometimes I'll I'll uh, keep you guessing. And the very best way to support this podcast is to subscribe to my Patreon. Patreon is a membership site that enables creators like me to uh, create membership benefits for folks just like you who might want to support their awesome work. My podcast is freely available, but I have a podcast of many episodes just for folks in my Patreon feed. And that is, you know, it runs the gamut. It's a lot about self-care and self-love. Sometimes I talk about stuff I'm going through and how that relates to self-care and self-love. Sometimes I just do straight up meditations that you can download to your phone and just have when you need to chill out. Um, I just posted a snowy forest hike. uh, So you can hear like that crunch, crunch under the feet. It's really nice. It's soothing. I also at a different level have my fat kid dance party aerobics video workouts they're weekly basically like I record myself teaching aerobics sometimes we're alone in the forest together sometimes I'm teaching a live class out on tour whatever it is I'm sharing it with you there's always four classes available a 10 minute a 20 minute a 45 minute and a 50 to 60 minute class um and if you have never experienced me as an aerobics instructor imagine like Richard Simmons and Miss Piggy and like Ginger Spice and Dolly Parton and like, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of Susie and the Banshees just kind of had this freaky Friday moment and then poof, uh, here I am and I'm teaching aerobics. So um, anyway, you can join that at patreon.com slash FKDP. It stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. That's the name of the aerobics. And I also just want to send a special shout out to my fresh Patreon supporters. Thank you for supporting me and my podcast. Um, Brad from DC, who is actually my friend. And Brad, I just want you to know that I'm really imagining you with a little sweatband, like, you know, really dancing along with us. Um, Skip Bacon, that is her real name. And she was a guest on this podcast just a few episodes ago. Um, Skip Bacon joined my Patreon and is now sending me sweaty sweaty post-workout selfies with her dogs, which I'm totally obsessed with. Um, Loretta from Ottawa jumped a level and is joining my Facky Dance Party regular crew. So Loretta, high five for self-care. I'm so excited that we're going to work out together. And also just shouting out new supporters, M. Baker from Tennessee um, and PETA with the mysterious no address. And then also the very mysterious, this is the name they put into my Patreon, Zaddy555. That's like daddy with a Z like Zed, right? Zaddy555. And you know I love a triple number. So thank you for that auspicious moment, Zaddy555. I hope that you joined just so that I would shout your name out, Zaddy555, at the top of my podcast episode. And here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about um, body liberation, fat activism, and all of these sort of buzzy words, um, just sort of as an addendum to the last solo show I did which was episode 19, two episodes ago. This is episode 21. Look, we're starting to keep track with numbers because we have double digits worth of podcasts. I'm so excited. This is compounding. Um, So basically, I had sort of told an autobiography of my body, like how I came to be the self-loving person that you see before you or you hear in your earbuds because this is a 
an audio medium, Bevan. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted to kind of add to that some, or flesh out, if you will, some of uh, my experience in the fat activist movements and body liberation movements, um, because a lot of that was happening um, in person in the early aughts when I kind of came to this work. Uh, it was about 2002. I was performing with my drag king troupe, and I did not know uh, the work I was doing by being just simply a fat drag performer was itself fat activism. I had been a women and gender studies major at UC Davis. Thanks. Go Ags. Um, but I uh, didn't really understand the political nature of fat bodies. I had only ever understood fat bodies to be a problem, right? But um, I didn't know that like using a fat body meant that I was doing political resistance because I just, in that whole women and gender studies degree, all four years, not a one professor um, really broke down body stuff. And um, maybe they did and I was absent that day. I'll tell you, I was absent a lot my senior year. So you know what? Maybe somebody somewhere stuffed that in there, but um, they weren't talking about body stuff in college back then. And so I just was not aware that there were political fat people until I met them in real life doing real life political fat people stuff, like having t-shirt companies with fat positive slogans and um, uh, special fashion lines that were really just fat activists who loved other fat activists and mostly sold to fat activists, you know? And like fat activism specifically was just out there um, advancing the rights and dignities of people of all sizes, not just fat people, but like it's a fat centered movement because fat people are the, the oppressed people on the fat thin spectrum. Um, and of course, like everybody's body is policed in fat phobia. That's the thing. That's why this movement is for everybody because um, thin people suffer from the fear of getting fat. Um, thin people also suffer from like body stigma because they're, you know, never, they're, nobody's body is perfect enough. Um, and even the thinnest bodies are then too thin, right? Like there's just no right way to be in um, body negativity. So it's really like a win-win-win for us all to be on this body liberation train where everybody just gets to have a good body. Like, and it's not your job to police anybody else's body and tell them they need to be one way or another. Um, and you just get to have the body you want to have. And everybody just gets to be autonomous and liberated and free. Um, so I now call myself a body liberation activist. And that is a very important lingual shift that I made. However, when I first found this work and found the work towards this like body neutrality and this like whole different concept of like, seeing life, um, I was exposed to fat activists who were working primarily with the organization No Lose, which at the time stood for National Organization for Lesbians of Size, but was swiftly shifted and is now like a very fully inclusive queer sort of umbrella organization as it exists now. Um, but I have not participated in many years. However, when I was going to No Lose, I first got wrapped into it. And that is how I found out the work that I was doing just by being a fat drag king. And by being a fat drag king, I mean, like, I literally dressed up like a fat cowboy with a big handlebar mustache and, you know, did lots of fun 80s songs, some Justin Timberlake, some uh, George Michael, of course, some Erasure, you know, like a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of really interesting performance. Did not think that that was activism. But it was because I was just being a fat body on stage and just owning my body. 
And that in and of itself is a radical act, especially in like 2002. Um, so... Being told that by my friend, oh, yeah, what you're doing is fat activism. And, oh, here, why don't you come perform at this conference for all these, like, fat activists who are getting together to have a conference? So I got to go to No Lose as a performer, which was amazing. So there was this conference they put on every year where um, activists from all over the world would gather and hang out, talk about being fat and gay. And um, it was, and you know, network and strategize and create art together and, you know, have sex and make out. I think the sexy component of Nellos was super important. Um, it was the first place I had ever gone to where fat bodies were centered in the experience. Like it was very like much like you're fat, you're awesome, you're sexy, you're beautiful. And then there was this like strong undercurrent of like mutual desire because for people who have felt not desired for their whole lives, it is such a radical environment to be in a space where your body feels desired and normalized. Like there's people who look like you. Um, and there was a lot of facilitated space, especially in the early years when I was going to no lose for makeout parties. Um, there was, there was a bordello one year, a full on not sponsored by the board, like totally put on by some amazing activists who just wanted it to have happen. So there was a full on bordello one year at no lose. Uh, and so it was just like a legendary, amazing space. And um, you would find me accidentally screaming at the top of my lungs, um, just chatting with somebody um, at the side of like a dungeon space, for example. Like that's the kind of um, 20 year old person I was. You know, when I get excited, my voice gets really loud. It's like something I'm not conscious of, but I'm working. I'm much more mindful of how I am in a space than I was when I was in my 20s. Um, so. I get involved. So I go to this like radical fat accepting space, right? Like my mind is blown. I'm like, oh my God, what is even happening? What is even in the world? I guess I'm a fat activist now. Um, and then um, I got really riots, not diets. This is the period of my time where I call my life riots, not diets, where I was just like, wow, diet culture is bullshit. I don't want anything to do with it. Like I'm going to eat whatever I want, which was great because like it made like eating food without guilt for the first time in like your whole life is amazing. And it for some people, it takes them a while um, to ease into it. For me, a food celebrant, uh, it's. I dove right in. I was like Templeton at the fair. Um, and also like, you know, there's just all these different radical reclaimings you get to do. Like when suddenly like you're finding fat bodies attractive because you've just like broken the mold of like what you find attractive. Like I was really only interested in dating fat people for a very long time. Um, and I'll say now I'm much more whatever comes my way and I'm attracted to is what I'm attracted to. Um, cause I've certainly surprised myself multiple times. Um, the, uh, but like I used to have just a very primary physical attraction to other fat people, um, especially if they were taller than me. Um, but you know, a fatter, taller person was ideal for me. Like I loved, um, I had two partners in a row, uh, during that time when I first got into fat activism and they were both fat and taller than me and it made me real happy. Um, and 
God, that was a really fun time in my life. I had so much fun uh, going to these conferences. Like, I was also going to these drag king conferences at the time. And, like, just, like, really in the mix of creating culture for people to see themselves represented um, in a time before social media. Like, I still think going to local performance is super important. Um, in Atlanta, there's a big burlesque scene, as there is in many other um cities but my friend Rachel um, who you heard on episode like three of my podcast Rachel goes to a lot of burlesque stuff because it's like where queer femmes are doing most of their performance and um, you know at the time there was just like this weird undercurrent of like fat performance and drag performance and I was up in it and having a great time and so at the time in my riots not diets period I was doing a lot of really um, tacky things (laughs) And the tackiest of them was when I would get drunk, and it always happened when I was drunk, and it doesn't excuse it, it's just when it would happen, is I would tell a thin person uh, to go eat a sandwich. And it happened only a few times, but, like, I just remember that experience of life where I just was so militantly anti-diet and, like, policing of thin bodies. It was like I, I pulled a full 180 um, from having been fat and stigmatized to being fat and empowered, and suddenly I was like sort of pointing a gun at somebody else like nobody's body needs to be policed nobody's food needs to be policed telling someone to go eat a sandwich is a really wrong thing to do and I'm very sorry that I did that and I feel you know just like if anybody's listening to this who I did that please accept my sincerest apology like so you know that's it that but that was like the kind of activism I was in like I was just in this frenzy place where like everything was possible and the whole world was different and like also I was really sarcastic and not thinking about other people's feelings um but um also it could have triggered eating disorders you just don't say stuff like that don't tell people what to eat don't tell people what not to eat don't talk to people about their food unless they talk to you about it first And if somebody is, like, policing their food in front of you, this is my favorite thing that thin people can do to help um, be a a stealth super agent for body positivity, which is if somebody says, oh, my God, I shouldn't eat this, or oh, my God, I'm so bad, you can literally just say, well, I don't think food has a moral value. I think it's great that you're eating whatever you want, and I hope you enjoy it. Like, saying something like that, or, like, if somebody's talking about, like, oh, my body's so blah, blah, you can say, I think all bodies are good bodies. And it's literally just that. Just give people the possibility that, like, all bodies can be good bodies. And it's, like, mind blown. Um, And, like, what even is the world in a post-Lizzo world, right? Like, now, like, so many people know this woman with this jiggling cellulite existing in the world and being the coolest, you know? Like, it's just such an amazing time. Ugh. I never, ever thought in these early days of fat activism, I never thought we would come as far as we have. Like, I don't think anything's perfect by any means, but certainly, like, the world is a touch more body positive just because there are just more and more people speaking up about, like, yo, this is just body neutrality. Like, everybody's body can be great. Have fun. Play in the body that you have. It's not a big deal. Um, So part of um, sort of shifting my relationship with my body and like activism um was enter Marilyn Wan uh who is the author of fat uh exclamation part so question mark um a seminal book in the fat activist movement um and Marilyn Wan is a treasure who I enjoy and I do I want to get her on this podcast now but she was on my lap on the previous podcast I had which was Femcast the queer fat fem guide to life where I just had a ball putting a lot of time and effort into an entertainment t- 
tonight style podcast with just like so many segments and just a lot of production value. Um, but I did that. I interviewed Marilyn Wan and she introduced me to the term body liberation activist, which is what she identifies as. And that just shifted everything for me because I was like, oh, yeah, body liberation for everybody. Like and so and my definition is very derivative of Marilyn Wan. And um, it just like suddenly the world just got it just made more sense again. You know, like these all these realizations over time uh, and just changing your paradigm of the world. God, I used to think there was just like one right way to be. And there was just one thought frame. Like if I thought some way, then obviously everyone else thought some way, especially in regards to relationships. I used to think all that. But now I just understand everyone's different and everyone's going to have a different perspective and it's all okay. And um, it's a much easier life, (laughs) I'll say, than back when I was like an activist in a way where like everyone else was wrong and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? Like, whatever. We're all human and we're all doing the best we can. Um, So another way that I kind of learned how to interact with my body differently was by dating people of different sizes than me. Um, I met someone at one of the No Lose conferences or several of the No Lose conferences, uh, Luscious, who lived in Toronto. Um, I'm a self-identified maple chaser. Um, I love Canada. I love Canadian people. And, um, I will say that like I had multiple no lose crushes. Like there were multiple people I would see at those conferences who I had long-term crushes on. And like, sometimes you would luck out and someone would finally be single again. That was great. Um, but I did end up (laughs) chasing some Canadian tail across the border. Uh, one new year's like, uh, me and my friends went up to visit, and um luscious and their friends or her friends and um anyway it was just like so much fun to just have this person i had a crush on at a conference and then like in real life start to get to date um and she was super size and by super size i'm just using this term as um there's different sizes of fat right like you've got an in-betweeny that's like someone who's like a size 10 to like 12 like you can shop in a regular size mall store mostly um but like you're a little chubby right like an in-betweeny not quite thin but not quite fat um and then you've got like sort of like mall fat right like you can shop at Tord, you can shop at lane bryant um and then and i would identify as mall fat right and i'm a size uh I think right now I'm a 20, 22, but sometimes I'm a 22, 24, you know, I have a pendulum. Uh, And so I'm like mall fat. And then like you get into like super size and then InfiniFat. And InfiniFat is like, so super size is like above mall fat. And then InfiniFat is like above super size. And that's, I think like my framework of understanding is roughly based on the Fat Lip podcast framework of understanding. Um, So anyway, Luscious was super size. So like a bigger fat than me. And it really, when you're walking around in the world with somebody you love um, and you have this strong sexual and body connection of like a lover, right? Like that's a really intense connection. And like, I always like kind of experience other people's bodies um, in the world in that way. Like when I'm in that kind of a, uh, especially like early on, like when all you want to do is touch. I'm also like a physical touch sort of a love language person. Um, I'm split between physical touch Uh, words of affirmation, and acts of service. So um, Luscious and I just like moving around in the world together, like I just kind of understood it even more empathetically from the perspective of someone who was just like much bigger than me. 
And, um, but also like, I don't know, we had met in this like potent fat positive environment. And so like, I just kind of assumed and took for granted that like, she felt the same sort of positivity towards her body that I did, which like, is not true. Like there are a lot of people in like who actively work for the liberation of fat people who also like can't hang with being a fat person and uh, have weight loss goals. And you know what? That's okay. Like other people's work with their body is totally different than mine and that's totally fine. Um, But it was a really interesting experience like getting to be intimate with somebody who had a different experience. And like there would be sometimes people like kids... uh, staring at Luscious or asking her questions, like, because, you know, especially when little kids haven't seen different size bodies before, or they've been pejoratively taught about larger size bodies, they say and do mean stuff and or ignorant things. And um, I just really always appreciated the way Luscious dealt with it so kindly and so compassionately and sweetly, because she was just truly, like, such a sweet treasure of a human being, like, just like, just like an actual earth angel, I think. And um, the thing I need to also say, I didn't intend to talk about this on the podcast, but it's happening, um, is Luscious, after we broke up, got weight loss surgery. Um, and by weight loss surgery, I mean stomach amputation surgery. Um, and you know what? Like, everybody's journey is their own journey. Um, and I get it. But I'm annoyed because Luscious was dealing with some pretty bad IBS, irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome, which I ended up treating myself later in life um, holistically. And I wish like that had been more of an option for her. Um, And also like, you know, she was treated for IBS with like stomach amputation. And like, I just, she died six months after she got that surgery. And I think she was killed by medical fat phobia. And, um, And that's because doctors treat fat people different because they don't think that fat people's bodies are worthy of love. Uh, or health or whatever. And they're really like, it's not science. Like science is health at every size. Like there's just like so much documentation to prove that everyone can be healthy at any size. And if you keep prescribing weight loss for things, like weight loss actually um, isn't effective most of the time. Uh, And when you focus on weight loss instead of the actual symptoms, like here's a line to tell your doctor is like, what would you tell a thin person who came in here with these symptoms? Um, That's a really great line to use for doctors. Um, I think that one of the best things you can do for yourself as a fat person, and I want you to do this um, in honor of all of the amazing fat activists that I love who have died, um, is I want you to self-advocate and find yourself a doctor you trust who doesn't pathologize you because of your weight. And it's totally possible. Those doctors totally exist. It just requires a little bit more work and a little bit more like calling. You can call insurance people. You can call. um, I asked Kaiser straight up like, hey, I want a body positive doctor that's also LGBT friendly. Um, And you know what? I got that. I had exactly that kind of doctor. She was amazing. And I never once had a bad experience um, around my body. And I even uh, refused to get weighed a couple times. And it was great. So I'll say it's totally possible. And I use a little metaphysical work before I go to the doctor. I always pray. And I pray with the intention that everyone along my path is working uh, behind the scenes on my behalf. Um, and whether or not these people are known or not known to me. You can be as flowery as you want, but basically I do the same thing when I travel. Just set the intention that everything is working behind the scenes for your good. And like just good shit lines up, you know, sometimes it it lines up. And, you know, I've had a rough year and I'm still saying that. So um, you can set that intention. 
Um, so also I had an interesting experience with my body. Like, um, when I started dating my most recent fiance, um, yes, because I've been engaged twice. Uh, you can see episode two gay divorce for more information on that. But my second fiance, uh, was quite a bit smaller than me uh, and shorter than me. So both thin and short, uh, super weird dynamic. I have to say like physically, it took me about six months to get used to being with her. Um, and that was just like me. And it wasn't like, it was so weird. Cause like, I'd just been so like fat positive, like, and like really like fat, um, you know, wanting fat for fat, like in my relationships. And then suddenly here I was like attracted to and very much in love with somebody whose body was just so much different than mine. And like, it was like something I just had to settle into and thank God for Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog like iconography because like that kind of gave me a frame of reference that was very soothing at the time. Um, And I remember also looking at pictures um, of us together and like feeling super weird about it um, at first. And it felt it was not dissimilar to how I used to feel about pictures of myself before before I became self-loving. Um, and the way I did that with pictures was I just started putting up pictures of myself with other people that I loved. So like I had a great picture of me with my college roommate, still hated my body, but I loved my college roommate. So I knew that I could still look at that picture and see it with love. And that's how I got to learn to love pictures of myself. And now I'm a selfie queen. I love pictures of myself. Um, but you know, with my ex, I like had to get used to like what it looked like to be fat and tall, you know, in every picture I was fat and tall. And I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're developing a new uh, level of like being okay with our body in comparison and also kind of embracing it. Like there's some, we took some great photos together. I have to say like in that relationship, I come away with a body of work of photos. Uh, you know, I probably never would post them again. Uh, cause you know, she's dead to me, but Um, No, not dead to me. Just uh, see episode two. She withdrew her friendship. It's over now. Um, But all that to say, like, it did take a while for me to get used to the size difference. But then ultimately I did and it was fine. Um, And I've also uh, dated thin, tall people, which took a minute, you know, like, but it's, it's so interesting how like our bodies like related to other people just like without all the like weird societal stuff, like if you're like worried about them judging you or anything like that, if you can like step out of that, then it's just like spatial relations. And that to me has always been the thing that's, that's, that's what I had to kind of grow into. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to share this like part of my journey. I think, um, it's worth sort of investigating um, whether or not body positivity you're interacting with is actually fat positive. Cause sometimes, They say body positive, but they really just mean, like, you know, a little bit chubby girls, and that's it. Um, Whereas, like, the idea is every single person, scars and all, warts and all, like, no matter what, is beautiful and radiant. And, like, the more, like, and I do this, like, now that I'm in deep in my spiritual work, I am so much more body positive because I'm, like, starting to get super neutral about, like, even what makes us different, you know? Like, everything is just, like, this, like, kind of, like, glowy neutrality once you, like, kind of elevate above like the way humans sort of separate ourselves and like um, classify ourselves and differentiate ourselves. And I like to think that like 
I got really deep into identity politics, like being a queer fat and femme specifically. Like I was so like I needed queer fat femmes when I met them. And that was like 2002. And like I finally met people who were identified as queer fat and femme. And I had felt so othered for so long and so different from everybody. And then finally I found people who were like me and like people like me, but like the diaspora, so many different types of fat people. Right. And so many different types of femininity and queers and all of that. And, um, and I just like when I was starting out like blogging and on the internet, I just like wanted to be that queer fat femme that people could quote unquote meet online and like just like show people what was possible, like to love yourself at any size and like at a, in a different sexuality and like just, you know, being who I am. But then I started sort of like understanding like how identity politics works as like a an incubator for healing and gives people a safer space to like be to heal. But like, you know, people in there, people within your identity are also like not always safe. Like another fat person, just because they're fat doesn't mean they're trustworthy. And I've had to learn that a lot of times. But, you know, also like people can really be there for you who would surprise you and who are at any size. So like that's like the thing that I've started really learning and um, you know, just kind of like stepping away from identity stuff and more looking towards ways that people can connect and heal rifts and differences and um, heal this world by working together um, and learning how to be a little bit less offendable is what I do. It's like take what you like and leave the rest is the most brilliant uh, and important things that I apply in my life all the time because I can get value out of pretty much anything. And I'll tell you, um, I've learned a lot from Sarah Palin. Um, And it's mostly about like how to stand up for yourself and be tough and look professional while also having big hair. And, um, you know, and those things have been very valuable for me advancing uh, all of the different politics I have than Sarah Palin, right? Like, but I can take what I learned from her and apply it for my own uses to change the world. Um, anyway, just some some food for thought. Um, I hope that this body autobiography was helpful. Um, if you ever have any questions or like you're new to the movement or new to like loving yourself or whatever, um, shoot me an email, bevinsparty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at bevinsparty. Um, you can support the Patreon, patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash F-K-D-P. Um, and also I'm self-care party on YouTube. I'm really trying to start a YouTube channel. Um, but I only get a URL that's specified self-care party once I get to a hundred subscribers. So would you go subscribe self-care party on YouTube? Um, anyway, I hope you all know that wherever you are, you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You'd need to do nothing to change yourself in order to be worthy of that love. You are magical. You are one of a kind. You are meant to bring a very specific imprint to this world and you are divinely guided and protected to bringing that imprint. Uh, and I hope you know that whatever it is, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, this too shall pass. <laughs>